You know, if things had worked out just a little bit differently for Chris Sutton, he would have ended up pushing pens and paper clips at Norfolk County Council rather than terrorising defenders in Scotland and England for over a decade. Chris uses the word character a lot, and we explore how his was forged. From an initial rejection by his home club Norwich, although not the club he supported, to his dad's boot camp approach to physical fitness, brutally demanding. Through his experiences as a promising young cricketer, what's that ball fizzing around your head? And a particularly uncompromising youth team coach at Norwich. Do you know what to top somebody is in football terms? Well, you're about to find out. Nothing came easy for Chris, but... It made him grow up fast, survive and thrive. First in a prodigious Norwich side under Mike Walker, which earned him a British transferred record switch to Blackburn age 21. Where did he nearly go instead? Well, you'll find out here. Listen up for stories of Sri Lankan cricketer Ravi Pushpakimara and Andy Theodosio's brutal tackles. How to mark Alan Shearer as a centre-half and why he says you don't want Efinokoko in your five-a-side team. Although... I want to make clear, having played alongside Evan Koku in a five-a-side team, sorry Chris, I'm just not joining you in that one. This, I believe, is a side of Chris Sutton that not many folk have heard before. Sit back and enjoy. Part of the great joy of the beginning of this big interview is that we're overlooking a football pitch. And... uh, Chris Sutton, I don't know if it means the same to you, given that you graced lots of football pitches in your life as a professional sportsman. But for anybody who adores football the way I do, even to see a, a naked, empty stadium gives you a buzz. And um, it's got me thinking about, again, how much I'd have liked to have been on that pitch, how much I'd have liked to have had a career like yours. But it's slightly special because... This is your, you're associated with so many different things. This is your hometown club that you're, that you're looking back out at. And uh, I, I presume there's still a, a nostalgia and a sentiment when you look on this blustery, grey, windy day out into that beautiful green pitch. There is with the, with the stadium, with the club, more, I would say, with, with the area I wasn't born in, um, in, in Norwich. I was born in Nottingham, but always brought up in... Uh, well, brought up in, in Norwich, a little village just outside. And uh, I used to, I used to support Nottingham Forest, actually, mm. in their, in their t- glory years, Brian Clough, the European Cups. I didn't jump on the bandwagon. I was born in Nottingham, that's why I supported them. But then I used to, I used to follow Norwich. And mm. uh, the amazing thing is at Norwich, unlike a lot of cities which, uh, which I've been to, in my view, is most of the people do support the local club it's a it's a one one club county it's the only uh, club in the county their nearest rivals are, are Ipswich which is sort of a, a fair bit away 45 Ooh, I don't know if you're allowed to mention them out loud 40, 45 miles <laughs> and I had a had a great time here but the funny thing is I was released by Norwich when I was sort of 12 years old I went on a, on a trial and I never I never really ex- expected to get taken on the second time because I'd had I'd had the rejection. There was a uh, a centre of excellence as as they were mm-hmm. called. Then I went down for a trial for a couple of months. I have to say I didn't like the rejection mm. at all, and I started to take cricket more seriously. Mm. And I used to just play football locally and for for uh, my school. 
but actually took cricket a, a little bit more seriously. I, you know, I'm not saying I was a brilliant cricketer, but I was good when I was younger and uh, I played for the county and I played a level up from the county, which was um, for the Midlands in a festival called the Bunbury, Bunbury Festival. Oh, yeah, famous, yeah. Um, but then I, I sort of learned extremely quickly that there were other boys there who were far better technically. And, you know, boys like um, Mal Loy, I think, who played yeah. county cricket, Jeremy Snape. This was your generation? This was my generation, yeah. Well, You know, I, I have to say it was, a, it was an eye-opener because even though I was scoring a lot of runs at county level, I could see that technically these boys were a lot better. In short, I couldn't play the short ball, which, which was, you know... As you go up the levels, people find you out, and uh, you know. Technically or psychologically, you could. Uh, technically, uh-huh. I think you know through coaching. I mean, sort of the old old school coaching was they were obviously coached differently and better than me, and you know far more natural uh, probably. But you know, I used to be a bit of a, a front front foot dogger. Okay. <laughs> get on the front. Not a Chris Tavares, but slightly more yeah. adventurous than. Yeah, and, you know, so I. You know, you get up to the to the higher echelons of the level, and this would have been uh, it was an under fifteen festival. Yeah, and I was sort of found out. For those for those who, who because you're now fourth um, on our series, who's spoken passionately about cricket, and I love my cricket. Started with Gary Neville and and, and the the death of a of a great commentator, um, Richie Benno, and we talked about that and tried to move it towards Gary's own analytical commentary skills. Um, Alec Tissier was a very, very, very talented cricketer, but probably the most talented cricketer we've spoken to so far was Phil Neville, whose stories were, you know, extraordinary about facing a West Indian paceman aged about 12 in a full Lancashire grown-up league with um, his dad's permission and his mum sort of pushing the door and saying, don't be a softy, go and do it. But for those who don't know cricket that well, when you see the short ball, just physically, what does that mean that a bowler's doing to towards the batsman and the wicket? Uh, well, he, he, he's he's bowling a lot shorter, so you, you know you play off your front foot or your back foot predominantly. I mean, the best actually uh, when when I moved back and finished football, uh, I played a bit of cricket lo- uh, locally, mm-hmm. and I had a uh, a player who played for Sri Lanka who. who Proed for the club who came to stay with us. He was called Ravi Pushpakamara, a good Sri Lankan name. I think he played twenty-four tests. He was a bowler, but he, 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 he coached my uh, my my eldest two sons to play. And he, he always used to say that that you know the the best batsmen, you know, they could they could see the uh, the length mm-hmm. of the ball instantly. You know, they, they could see the length, which you know was the difference between a you know a, a top quality batsman and uh, you know, a pretty mediocre one. So that, you know... Because the short I, I, ball, it comes in and bounces yeah, and in and around the, the old uh, Adam's apple. And I think that, to be honest, I think people think that cricket, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, sort of people who play football and rugby think that cricket is a game for softies. Uh, and, uh, you know, I can tell you from my own experiences that, you know, it's uh, it, it certainly isn't. And if a ball's hurtling down you at, uh, at 80, 90 miles an hour, you don't, you know, if you're... If you're you don't see it, <laughs> it's a it's a major problem. So at the top level, these players, are, their reaction yeah. skills, are, you know, an ability to 
to play the ball late. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's astonishing, astonishing reaction. A nerve, because you ever lose your nerve in that instance. Okay, yeah, your technique can bail you up, but if your nerve goes up the top, top level now, yeah. and that ball is fizzing around, then you may as well just walk away. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you talk about a game psychologically, certainly as a batsman in cricket, and, and you know, you can, people compare all sports, but that is, that is probably, in terms of, brutality mm. you can have bad luck with a decision you, mm. you can get caught out brilliantly you can be in a bad run run form so psychologically and people talk about psychological elements of of all sports but that's that's you know a, a, a bats from where you're supposed to score runs i mean that that's probably the you know the, the toughest sport position in sports psychology it's high noon it's it's, it's a mean jobs. bowler one-on-one, yeah. except the batsman doesn't rotate quite as much as you, every over, you know, that a new mean-faced bowler is going to come in and be pinging that thing down at you or try to trick you with spin. But it's pure... When that ball's being delivered, it's real yeah. 1v1, not 11... Yeah, not an 11-man sport in that, but, when the, on the wicket. But the biggest thing is you have one chance in bat. Mm. Where, where at football... You miss an opportunity, you can get another no, chance, uh, and and that's and that's the difference. And there may be a variety of reasons why. You know, mm. at, at the top level, and I, you know, I watch a lot of cricket. At the at the top level, people get a chance in the in the test team, and they can be in for two tests, four innings, mm. be caught out by a brilliant catch, mm. uh, get a brilliant ball. Someone else can go in and, and be dropped twice and make a hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, the the margins uh, at that, and then psychologically. You know, mentally, you've got to be so strong to to get through that at, at, the, at the top level. Then excuse my romanticism, that's a word that I'll unashamedly use, I think, throughout this interview. I, I always felt growing up watching the Aberdeen side that Sir Alex Ferguson coached that having seen a, a regional club do very, very well, knock over Rangers and Celtic, then winning Europe, it did things, if you're a young, impressionable fan, it kind of made you think, you know, you learn through, well, you can do things, you can do extraordinary things in life because look what they've achieved. Was there any um, infectiousness about watching that Nottingham Forest team? Because, you know, at that age, watching a, a club, okay, it was a two-club city, but a club relatively similar to Aberdeen, going on and doing what it did. I'm not sure at what age you'd have been devoted to no, it, yeah, Forest I, I, and I, I was, League, League Cup and, yeah. and European Cup or not? I was very young. Uh, I was 73, so I'd have been seven, eight. Okay. So, so, you know, and uh, it's funny, John Robertson and yeah. Martin O'Neill, who ended yeah. up as, as, you know, my manager, assistant manager nice at twist. Celtic, were, yeah. were part of, of that team. So, I mean, I mean, you talk about achievements. I mean, people compare them to Leicester City. And, uh, I mean, I don't think we'll ever see the likes of a forest again, a, a small club, well, not a small club, but a club who would come from nowhere as such and not only won the league, but uh, the European Cup as well. Mm. An incredible achievement. You used a phrase that you didn't enjoy the rejection um, at Norwich, but you had this repertoire as the second chance. Was that mostly to do with you or the club or your dad? All things. I was, I was playing, uh, I'd taken my GCSEs and... I had uh, two elder sisters and an elder brother, and they all went on and took A-levels. Uh, and I was a bit of a black sheep in the family in terms of I wasn't 
a great trier at school. I was told um, in uncertain terms that you know I, I you know wasn't trying hard enough, and the best thing for me to do would be to go out and get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and this all coincided in a very short space of time. What happened? I actually went for a, a job as a, a clerk of uh, Norfolk County Council. God. So where I could have ended up. Oh my God. <laughs> There, and, uh, there is indeed a God. Well there done. You go, yeah. And uh, this was a, a multiple choice exam in in. Uh, Would you like A, <laughs> English League Division One, or B, push pens and paper clips? You know, I can't yet. Yeah, well, I don't think I don't think you're far off. Uh, but anyway, somehow I got the job. But in in this space of time, what had happened is, is I was playing for my uh, school in the county cup competition and I did quite well our school team got through to the semi-finals and there was a local coach who was affiliated with Norwich City a fellow called Graham Wren and he came to watch me I scored a hat-trick in the semi-final I think that was against Caister uh, which is near Yarmouth in the final we played Yarmouth and I scored a hat-trick in the final and then they asked me down for another trial Norwich did and I didn't this was at the end of the season so it was a very brief very brief trial and the manager Dave Stringer who was the first team manager at the time had come to watch me subsequently a couple of months earlier not specifically me but a group of lads playing at Yarmouth and again at that stage he you know thought I wasn't good enough so they essentially what happened at the end of the season within a a brief spell they took a massive chance on me to give me a YTS youth training scheme Mm. £29.50 the first year £35 the second year. And in those years since I had been rejected, which was, so I'd be 30, 13, 14, 15, 16, my dad, who was, you know, definitely by far the biggest influence on me in terms of fitness and pushing me, he was very, I don't use the word brutal, but he would, you know, give me. A kick up the backside. He was my my school teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was very hard on me. It's a dynamic. If I if I got praise, it was quite rare. I mean, I remember him refereeing a school game once, and I went down injured, and uh, he, he he would never give he would never give me any favours. Never never do me any favours. And I think that was part of him being a teacher in front of the other boys as well. You know, even though when I was doing well, and you know, I was. I was, you know, one of the best players in the team. I, you know, without being big-headed, but I was. But he wouldn't, he he, he wouldn't give me praise in front mm. of anybody. And uh, if I went down injured, he'd tell me to get up. And but in terms of fitness, and you know, I'm, <laughs> you've seen me play. Never the quickest at all. I, you know, I was never the fastest at school. I was never the most athletic. Uh, you know, far from it. But in terms of those years, the grounding which he gave me in fitness I think set me up and and was possibly the biggest part of why I got on I think and made it and then also once I'd got in there at 16 17 the boys who had made the steps and signed schoolboy forms 13 14 15 who, who had an affiliation with the club I was I can't, well, I can say this, but I felt psychologically that they expected it to be a natural mm. progression. That's, mm. that's what I felt. And I felt when I went down there, 
that I was psychologically, I, I, it's easy to say I wanted it more than them, but I was hungry. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that to pass, to pass me by that opportunity again. And so I had all those things into the mix. We had a youth team coach who I, putting it mildly, sort of despised in the nicest possible way. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether that goes, well, it doesn't. The, the, it doesn't. Putting it mildly in the nicest possible way, sandwiching the word despised. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, but that's, that's fair. But, but what I mean, I, you know, I didn't like him. He was, um, but subsequently since I, you know, when I'd progressed and moved on, and now when I've finished my career and, you know, I understood what it was, what it was all about, and uh, I didn't. I didn't. His name was 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 Keith Webb, and I think he used to work in the the ticket office at Carroll Road and did well for himself in terms of, you know, going and doing his badges and and gain, getting the job. And Norwich had a good record of mm-hmm. producing uh, youngsters, and you have to say part of it was down to him. Mm-hmm. But what he taught, what he taught the boys, and I have to say at that age, you know, like a lot of lads. 16, 17, 18, you know, so I'm saying oh, I didn't like him. There's a good chance that there were a lot of reasons why he didn't like me at that age. But what, what, what I think is missing, and this is my opinion from today's uh, game, is, which is an important part, I felt was earning the right. And I always felt that that was a very good grounding at Norwich. And what I mean by earning the right Things like in pre-season, we all used to train so the youth team and first team used to train together, youth team reserves, first team used to train together. Not like now where they're, you have the, the first team squad away, uh, you know, partly to do with numbers. It's, you know, it doesn't happen at all clubs, but Premier League clubs. Definitely. And um, so, we, you know, he, he would rollock us if we weren't finishing miles out of the first team in cross country and, you know, the, the, which, you know, he's very, very, very hard. But ju- just the fact that, you know, you have to earn the right to jog slowly around the lake at the, at the, at the UEA, the University of, you know, they, 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 they've done it. And uh, so he was hard. He pushed me. I mean, he topped me once badly, which was, you know, another reason why I didn't like him. He used to train with us, Keith, and he, he, he gave us a, a nasty injury. Top, uh, I mean, coming through yeah, over the ball. Yeah, and I had a bad, I was out for a, a, a while with it. But looking back, I can, I, I can understand it because, you know, I was, I was quite chippy myself, <laughs> and I think I would have topped me. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wait, wait, so in other words, with all due retrospect and with you being objective about yourself and, and quite kind about a coach who's gone over the top to do a YTS player, which is not yeah. great practice, he, he, he did it deliberately in that case. Is, is the, well, I thought he did. Yeah. And, yeah, look, 
I think that I'd come from I'd come from nowhere essentially because I hadn't hadn't come up through the through the system and then in, in a short space of time when I first went into the training ground which isn't there anymore at Trouse that was the old training ground it went in an environment and that there weren't a lot of local boys there were mm. boys like the the Swindon chairman now Lee Power okay. um, there was um, Stephen Rowcastle who was David Rowcastle's um, younger brother these were boys from 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 London who were streetwise who were who were smart and you know you 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 had to learn I went to a, a local school in Norwich and you you know I mean it, it can be quite uh, you know a harsh environment, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there are pecking orders. You start off at the at the bottom, and you have to handle yourself in that environment. You, you know whether you're an introvert or an extra, extrovert, you have to find a way of handling yourself totally in the uh, in the in the dressing room. And I think the main thing is 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 is, is you gain respect on on the pitch, uh, which is which is a a big part of it but you know in the end whichever way you want to look at it you're all we're in an environment where we play together at weekends uh, in the local South East Counties League but we're, we're all competing against each other as well because to get team place or to get up well to, well, to get up the ladder and, uh, uh, and get contracts so while on the outside everybody's thinking we're all great teammates and it's all smiles this mm. that and the other mm. I mean the the reality is once you get into the, you know, the second year, you're all trying to cut each other's throat, and uh, you know that's you're fighting for contracts, uh, and and then in terms of you know, I spoke earlier about the sort of everything, my, my base fitness when I went back in, and I wasn't sure how that was going to go, but I progressed quite quickly. I played, uh, I went as a centre forward, but they also uh, they also realised I could play centre half. Mm. I could you know read the game quite well but I just thought I left a lot of the other boys behind I thought a lot of the boys who had come through the system were dead wood in my mm. mind and they didn't they didn't have the the hunger because I think that was a that was a, as much as a, a system fault as as anything and I, I still think it's a system fault uh, in terms of and there's no other way of doing it in terms of uh, boys starting young mm. and you know you're talking about 12 13 teenage boys who wouldn't think that's a natural progression? No, but it, yeah, but it, it, that must be dinned out of them by not only words and ethos at a club, but by demonstrations mm-hmm. that players will be cut, that you won't, that there, it isn't an automatic staircase. And uh, it's the same as, I mean, in a mini form, it's the same as Alex Hleb now says, what, what was evident to all of us at, at watching Barcelona and around their club at the time, that arriving was good enough for him. And at the time, he'd have rejected it. Now he says it's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a very expensive player, a very big club. But that thing of I'm here is the same as your 12, 13-year-olds thinking, this escalator just keeps on going up and all I've really got to do is, you know, tread water and I'll, it'll take me up. Yeah, uh, I understand that. But, um, you know, as you get older, you, you, you know, you're talking about young minds. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and young, immature minds who, who just think it's going to it, it's going to happen, and I, I understand that, and I may have been the same. So, I actually think the best thing which ever happened to me was getting booted out 
that's my opinion. And yeah. I, you know, it's very individual. And you know, you could reel off to me quite easily numerous boys who who have started off at young ages and gone all the way through the system. But um, you know, some boys are, are far more naturally talented than others. Also others who've been rejected and it's broken them. Yeah. But the rejection, particularly of, I mean, I'm older than both of you, but if we're talking about this generation that we're, either you played in or that we're talking about or that we admired, rejection was something that was, I think, probably far more common, far less catered for, and you had to fight. And it, and it made a lot of people, so many people in your shoes who won trophies like you did, were rejected. And it seems... I think to those who only listen to this or read the papers or pay the money to go through the turnstile, I think they find it unbelievable to see the finished product. Mm. A winner, elite, probably wealthy, fit, look certainly looking confident, and to find that they've been rejected once, maybe twice. I think most people find that odd, whereas we know it's, it's just about commonplace. No, I, th- I think it is. Um, and, you know, go back to natural talent. How, how, many, how many players I played with who were, I'd say, I'd say Larson. I'd say Larson, but, but Larson had to fight though. Like, you, you know, um, he went to Holland and played. Had a, played out of position, fired, yeah. went to the tribunals, um, risked everything. But in terms of being a natural athlete, you know, he was, you know, he's a lovely specimen, but he, I, I thought he was a natural athlete where, you know, we'd all have to go away on the family holidays and... I'd be away running, you know, keeping myself fit. He could go away all summer um, and sit on the beach and still come back and, and beat everybody. I, I understand. And, uh, I, I, I understand. Really. And that's, yeah. so, so, you know, the, but, the, but those, the, those years and, and the, those base years in terms of genetically what I had, fit, you know, I'm a tall, tall mm. guy, but in terms of, you know, people talk about pace and, and running ability. I was never, never a, 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 a great athlete, but, you know. Are we touching on your dad's mic? Yeah. Are we touching yeah. on what Mike did for you then? Well, because no, I th- well, I think so. I think that's the best. It was demanding as well. I, I, I was listening recently to a Victoria Pendleton story about how early teens should go out cycling with her dad on a Sunday yeah. night and in the last 50 miles, he would just pull away and leave her and she'd just <laughs> keep up or get lost. Now, it wasn't quite like that with you, but there is, if I understand it correctly, in these things that he did for you in the interim between being rejected and then taken on, it was demanding. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure without him pushing me, as he did, and you know, they're, they're uh, uh, pushing me very hard at times, but um, you know, there are people who say that is the wrong way to go about it. But, I, you know, I don't think so. And I'd say, you know, I've criticised the youth team manager at, at, at Norwich. But I think, you know, looking back, had he not been that way and, and, and got you to be hungry and, and earn the right, Mike Walker, who was uh, arguably Norwich's successful manager mm-hmm. going into the reserves, you know, that was, it was an era where you could tackle however you liked. We had, uh, we had a player in the reserves uh, called Andy Theodosio, who's a lunatic. When I say lunatic, the way he tackled, he was—I think—he broke a couple of players' legs. And to be honest, we all used to look up to him, and we sort of wanted to to be ferocious. And you know, training was was hostile. And you know, it's a good. It's a, I'm not saying that. I'm, and certainly, am I not saying? My era, you're telling me things that I like, but then, and we won't do it now. But. That's what I grew up watching. Yeah. That's how I understood all competitive sport. 
but I also see wonderful players now whose yeah. careers have been elongated and there is a degree to which we're watching a different product. That's a different argument for later, but yeah. I, if, in case you saw my face, Horace, I fully understand that. Yeah. I, I, I grew up at Pataudry where if somebody had a little dig at Strachan or Weir, you set your watch for Willie Miller. And I don't know if it's Theod... Theodore, Andy Theodosio, his name Theodosio. Well, he wasn't a lunatic, but he could Theodosio anybody just to make sure that they didn't touch yeah. his teammates again. And we paid to see that. Mm. And I, I thought it was right. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was, it was a top or get topped, really, wasn't it? And that, that was the sort of... Uh, that was the, the environment. Mike Walk was a straight talker, uh, was, a, was a goalkeeper, came to Norwich, as a, uh, Norwich City as a reserve manager. And again, just, uh, you know, the, the basic earn the right, you know, push on. People talk about analytical, the, the, the analytical side of the game. But they were, you know, and I, I understand that. But, you know, the mentality back then was, you know, blood and guts, you know, a lot of it. And then... I thought Norwich was a really good club to be brought up at in terms of um, people talk about the West Ham way, not necessarily the Norwich way, but people locally would. And mm. Norwich used to produce a lot of lot of boys. We used to do a lot of keep balls in training. Oh, really? um, and then if you were doing well in the in the youth team, there was a space in the reserves purely mm-hmm. because of squad size. Mm-hmm. Doing one in the reserves, you were the next one into the first team, and that's that's essentially. How I got into the first team. Now, I don't know if you can remember or not, and I also haven't completely sure whether I've got my facts right, but once you break into the Norwich team, is that your first experience of Alan Shearer in uh, February 1992? And what game would that have been, Norwich against Southampton? All I would say is that Norwich beat Southampton, and a little birdie tells me, I'm sure accurately, there's a good chance you did play centre-half in that game, whether yeah. it was auxiliary or yeah. whatever. Clearly your talent at centre-half was something that, particularly I love the phrase when you said I could read the game. That's beautiful for centre-half because that's what we maybe sometimes would have called a sweeper. But yeah. in February 1992, one of the guys who'd have an impact in your life, your career, what you won, I think you... I did. I, I, can, I can remember playing against uh, Alan. I can re- it was here. And I hope I've got my facts right. But no, it, it was you. No, of course it, it, it was, yeah. It was a Carrow Road. And all I can remember about Alan, and little things stick in your mind, is how strong he was. Hmm. Literally how, how, how strong he was, you know, when people back in and, uh, you know, defenders, you're, you know, trying to be aggressive and thinking he's like a wall. And, he, he you know, Alan isn't someone you look at who, you know, is full of mu- big muscles, Mm. Bulging, but he was—he was a powerhouse. He wasn't a—he wasn't a, uh, a, a at that stage uh, in terms of goals. He wasn't a, 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 a goal machine, but he was a good—he was a powerful runner, you know, as well. He used to run the the channels, and I, but I remember him just for that reason. And thinking, blimey, mm. in terms of his 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 physical strength, and think, you know, he's he, he's a handful. Uh, but then it was subsequently when he left Southampton. He, I think he's, you know, he scored goals at Southampton. Yes, um, but not no, not I, I, not, not, not as prolific. But, but not nearly as prolific. No, maybe that's age. Maybe that's environment. But when you prepare for a game, not in that specific game, around that era, you're playing out of position, if I can say in better commas, because it, 
even though you're talented there. A lot of your... Norwich fans thought that. <laughs> I, I wasn't speaking euphemistically, <laughs> I promise you, Chris. Um, you don't get you, you you don't get video preparation for a match like that. No. I guess you you probably didn't have much idea how Shearer played. He wouldn't have been on the TV I d- I a didn't, lot. I didn't know. I didn't know who That's Alan my point. was. Uh, That's and, my point. And he wasn't a household name, um, but then. It's like any you 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 learn uh, and you learn on the job, and uh, you, you you pick things up. And so what I picked up of, from that day is, you know, don't don't get too tied to him, you know, uh, and and you know just that just that strength thing stuck in stuck in my head uh, that day. Did I think Alan would go on to have the career at that stage? Uh, no, but of course I didn't because he wasn't a household name. No, you, you know I'd, I'd know I'd, you'd know players who, who you'd come up against. But because, because Alan was at Southampton, Southampton went uh, on the box less regularly. No. It was less that, that he wasn't known than than I really liked the idea of albeit you're talented at centre back, you don't play there all the time. You've got a very talented young player in front of you you don't know what he's going to do that idea of playing learning as you go and winning the game I, I like that so different from now when players are probably saturated with detail about do this don't do that they know the players inside out because even if the coach doesn't prepare them with it they can choose to watch any player they want in the world over and over again if they want to yeah whereas you uh, come into it cold and you have to uh, like you said learn on the job but I think that there's a Learning on the job is better in, than watching on the television. And the, re- the reason I say that is because, well, when I say that, I mean at the, at the top level, yeah. elite level, mm-hmm. because the best players, the top players aren't, uh, I don't care what anybody says, the top players aren't readable. Mm. If, you, if you watch players at, at the lower level and someone's predominantly left-footed and always drives on the inside... Always, always goes to his left, then I would say that's readable. But at the top level, people set you up. You know, <laughs> they'll they'll drive the outside a couple of times, and they'll think he's going the outside and have the ability to go on the inside. So that's, you know, learning on the on, on the job is you know it, it is better. So the first time I played against Alan Shearer at centre half, the one thing I think is don't get too tight because he will he will mm-hmm. murder you, mm-hmm. uh, and you know. The, the difficulty is at the at the top level. Ian Wright used to rip me to pieces. I thought, you know, I thought he was, a, you know, he's a brilliant centre forward. You know, and I see him. I, I, I tell him that. You know, he 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 was a real all rounder, um, and I used to have a nightmare playing against him. Well, okay, well, for an odd situation to be about to argue with the person who knows exactly what happened, but we'll come back to that one later because I think there's a moment in the title race where that's not exactly how it plays out. However... I did well. That was, that was in the title race at Norwich. Mm. It, was a, it was a different kind of fish. Okay, fair point, point well made. So the next experience of um, Alan Shearer, but not just him, is our first big experience of Blackburn Rovers. Now that doesn't go so well. 7-1. Yep. I, I, I remember that game. Uh, well, we finished third that season. And we had a negative goal difference. Uh, we did. <laughs> Thanks to this. I was, uh, that's why Mike Walker moved me up front uh, the following season. Uh, well, it wasn't. But, but the 7-1 game was at Ewood. Um, yeah. And my centre-half partner was Ian Butterworth. Yeah. And 
I learned a lesson that day, another, it's a good lesson actually. We got beat 7-1, I, I didn't cover myself in glory, but neither did Ian Butterworth. And I think Ian Butterworth came back and did the local press and said that I told Chris Sutton to keep his head up after the game. And I thought, all right. <laughs> that was, uh, uh, you know, that was quite intelligent from, from him. Cold blood, uh, I would say. <laughs> 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 I thought, all right, yeah. There are murder mystery yeah. begins based on yeah. less than that. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I'm all right. Whoa. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, and all these things. I mean, it's all. I can't believe. I still can't believe you've got a smile on your face about that one. Yeah. I'd still be looking for him. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, that's, is all these things when you're young. They're, you know, they're, they're on the pitch, off the pitch. You, they're, they're, it's, they're, it's a learning curve, isn't it? And uh, and you know, what, what does that teach you to do it? I think you know, certainly my younger years at Norwich and and watching and learning and. You know, looking up to people. Um, certainly, my 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 younger years. I think my time at Norwich. What evolved was, I understood the mentality. I think I learned the the mentality, and you know, in terms of not really suffering fools. By the time I'd uh, I'd left Norwich, and I could, you know, little things like the Butterworth thing, where I could handle myself. What what is that? Handle myself and not suffering fools. I mean, does, I don't think it means topping somebody in this. No, instance. I, don't, I think handle. It, does it, it mean it, face it, to face having yeah, it out? Yeah, and uh, and standing your your ground, but uh, also and um, you know at, when I had a, when I had a bad game um, or things went wrong, I you know I could I wouldn't argue my corner if if I was doing badly, and mm. you know I would I would take it, and then if I thought the manager was wrong in his criticism, I. I would say, uh, but you know those things didn't often overlap because normally the manager was right. So you know I, I was I was very honest yeah. about my uh, very ob very objective uh, about my own performance. Very objective. So uh, Nor Norwich is a glorious time. You fin finished third. The European run is brilliant, but it, no with respect. It's not the it's not the mm. no pressure. And, well, there wasn't any pressure because... Because you Nor seem to be punching above your weight yeah. as a club. And Norwich play Manchester uh, Manchester United, who expects Norwich to win? Norwich play Liverpool, who we expects... We pumped Liverpool. Yep. Pumped Liverpool 3-0. Yep. Uh, Beat Bayern Munich. Yep. And, well, uh, I mean, and you can imagine, I mean, there's, you know, probably the best era Norwich have had. You know, people talk Arsenal lose in the, in the week to Bayern Munich and... You know, I think Norwich were, were one of the only teams to beat Bayern Munich, certainly in the Olympic Stadium. Olympic Stadium, Stadium yep. Yeah. Um, and we had a we had a good team. I mean, um, we did have a good team, and I was I was very lucky. And when I say I was lucky, I was lucky that we had players in the team who that season ninety four ninety five I scored twenty five league goals, and that was really my breakthrough season. Um, no, it was ninety three ninety four. Sorry, mm. no, I got I got that wrong. Uh, ninety four ninety five was Blackburn, mm. but that ninety three ninety four set me up the season and I played with a player called Ian Crook mm -hmm. and uh, who, who used to have a little routine with free kicks and I used to score but he used to be so perfect with his delivery essentially that was, that was him who's you know making the goals where he'd put the ball down he'd look up I'd make a movement he'd, he'd put it in and I'd, I'd, sc I'd scored a few goals that season like that 
And really, you know, I was lucky to, because had he not been able to execute that pass so perfectly, I had a good relationship with uh, with, with, with Rule Fox. Rule Fox, obviously a big um, impact. Yeah. A, you know, where had a really good understanding uh, centre-forward play. People talk about, you know, just playing the single centre-forward. We always used to work in, in partnerships. And I always felt I was, I was always um, far more effective in a partnership with... with uh, a certain type of player and I used to I think you know look if I look all the way back through my career I was a focal point really um, and I could always play well with people around me I had you know good awareness of, of who was around me and, and, and link and link up play so the first ball would maybe be aimed at you generally whether it was feet or chest or head that's the focal point I'm trying to broaden out as I well uh, yeah um, but it always used to used to work well off another centre. I mean, different types. So I could go back to my, you know, I first went into the team with Robert Fleck. I didn't play a lot of games with him. A player I used to like playing with, or we used to be very effective, was Efna Kuku. Mm-hmm. Kuku, if you watched him uh, in a five-a-side, you'd think it would probably, you, you know, uh, it won a raffle to come and train with you. You know, he was that bad. But give him space to run into. He, for me, he was perfect because you, you, you know, you didn't have to be exact. You'd flick balls on, hook balls on. He scored four goals at Goodison. I mean, and, you know, he, he's actually a good finisher. Uh, Effen was, um, but you know, he suited me. He wasn't a, a, a clever player. We had him playing, you know, sort of end of season Sky, five aside not that long ago. You're not very good at our level, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> There you, there you go. You've, you've, you've really, you, you've topped us there. <laughs> that was a good one. So, uh, no. and then, um, you know, but, 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 you know, going about the youth team, George Norris, but in the youth team, you were taught to play partnerships, get in line, little overs and, you know, dummies and play round corners and things. I thought it was, you know, a great way to be brought up. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, an art certainly twin striker players an art because teams play differently now which is which is dying mm. really I, you know when you, when you look back at the the, the premier league in the mid 90s uh, and the late 90s you know you, wherever you looked there were there were there were partnerships and it didn't have to be big man little man but you look at Klinsman and uh, Sheringham i mean later on york and cole i mean sensational you know a lot of their their movements, getting in line, clever footballers, little overs. I remember the goal in Juventus. They were brilliant. You're also talking about, you, the, I know you mean more than those four. You talked about four very good footballers individually also. It wasn't simply yeah. the partnership. They, these are elite footballers. Uh, yeah, and... Um, I grew up uh, watching uh, yeah, Keegan uh, and Toshak. That was yeah. the first partnership that really made an impact on me. Yeah. And you know, they weren't very similar people. I'm not even sure they gone. In fact, they... We're not close, yeah. but as far as partnership, they were a little large, but they were dynamic. They were extraordinary as yeah. a partnership. I'm not quite sure why it would be that that type of pairing isn't predominant anymore. Don't really understand. Well, it's, just, that. it's just the way teams play, though, isn't it? Teams don't play uh, two up. They don't. Well, they don't play two up now, do they? Uh, they'll play with a. You describe uh, 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 three up, and they'll get the wide man coming in off the, you know, trying to make those little runs in between centre half and and full back. Um, I play with a number ten. We know what a number ten is. Um, 
sort of back in the day, I mean, this is rocket science, isn't it? But so you used to play with two up, but what's the difference between a four five one and a four four two? Ten yards, mm. you know, mm. essentially. And I was always taught that, especially when I was at Blackburn with Alan, that one of us had to drop into the to make it a, a, on a holding midfield player, and uh, you know, predominantly that was that was me. Mm. Uh, so out of possession, you know, that hasn't changed. When people talk about systems, mm-hmm. it was never never four four two, really defensively. No. No, that makes total sense. But I, I mean, I don't want to go down and abandon Miana because I, I want to get to the title winning season. But yeah. I, when you, you know, it's catnip to me. When you hear people talking about systems, they'll say, just like you've swept aside the way in which people talk about them in terms of how you played. People, people I read people in England for ages saying, well, 442 is hopeless. No, it's 442 now. It's. it's, it's it's so, you know, it's an anachronism. It, I, that's rubbish. No system can be um, outdated forever. It, what do you teach your players to play? What types of footballers do you have? What brand of football do you I want to do? Totally agree. What do they do with and without the ball? Don't ever say some sort of structural system is. That's absolute ridiculous nonsense. I, I think it is. And, uh, you know, you can shoot me down. Uh, you know, you, you watch a lot of... Uh, Sort of Spanish football and, mm. and know that the game inside out, but for me, sort of a lot of teams, a lot of people's failings in recent years is you know they try and play like Barcelona, but they don't have the players, yeah. and that's that's essentially it. And yeah. you know, um, you have to use which tools you have uh, at Norwich at that particular time when we when we won in uh, in Bayern Munich, we played with three centre halves and a sweeper. And had had two wing backs, but what what we because we, we we were conceding a lot of goals. So you think about that. But what we had is we had players who could get us up the pitch. Rule Fox in the right mm. wing position, and then uh, when Efenakuku played, we mm-hmm. had space in behind was his strength. So it actually suited us um, beautifully. The first game we we won that season against Vitas Arnhem away, we we won three nil here. And we'd gone away and we drew nil-nil. We could, he, he missed four sitters. Mm. But uh, he was such an unbelievable outlet mm. for you. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a weapon. So Mike Walker, you know, got a lot of stick at Everton, but at, at Norwich, uh, you know, he was quite shrewd, conceding too many goals. Well, it was a sort of a case of, of, of num- numbers. Yeah. Get, you know, numbers make it difficult. And there's our weapon, you know, they'd, they'd so, use me as a focal point. And in defence, you'd have, you could have five in the back with two in front if you well, really wanted to close something off. Yeah. If you had three centre-backs, yeah. plus a sweeper, plus two wing-backs, if you drop that, mm. plus four, plus six at the back, plus two. <laughs> and then, but yeah, and then, uh, you know, you, you had uh, Ian Crook, who was, you know, very, very creative, couldn't, couldn't run, couldn't tackle, couldn't, but so creative, mm. you know, on, on the ball in... You know, mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful vision. Jeremy Goss, you know, the the, the hero, uh, if you like, of, of Bayern Munich. He, he had legs. So you know, you, we talk about systems, but we had a you know a good a good balance in terms of personnel. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have a great um, you know a team of all round players who were capable of doing everything. Far from it. But we played well to our strengths and going into the title winning season you know Blackburn we weren't a free flowing on the eye 
sparkling play teams off the park football team. Far from it. This is the part where you find out that some of my outro is written for me because I have to thank Hugh the Mamba McDonald. Now, shall Hugh McDonald the Mamba? No, I don't know either. But thanks to the Mamba for helping to organise this interview and Richard Winton for aiding all of us in our research. The big interview is produced by Backpage and me, Graham Hunter. The music that you always listen to, beautiful stuff it is too, is by the talented Beer Jacket. Check out his music on iTunes or on Bandcamp. You can keep up with everything that we do, enter exclusive competitions and put your questions to our future guests by joining the mailing list at grahamhunter.tv. That site is also where you can buy the new updated version of my book, Barca, The Making of the Greatest Team in the World. My story of the Pep Guardiola era at the Camp Now between 2008 and 2012. It is in all good bookshops now, but it does make a big difference to all of us who worked on the project and who work on the big interview if you do buy direct at grahamhunter.tv forward slash books. You'll be sure to get the new edition and you'll be helping us to continue producing independent content. This content is still for free. Thanks for listening. We do this for you. Hold up. 